edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast here on jconline.com. Mike Carmen, beat writer for the Purdue football program, along with uh, Sam King, excellent helper on Purdue athletics, since it's just the two of us now, Sam. It's just us. Anyway, we're uh, we're podcasting after Purdue's 40-14 to victory over Maryland. Uh, I did pick the Terrapins to win the game, 28-26, so... Obviously, I have no idea what I'm talking about, and we're podcasting today from the truck, just because uh, wife and I are going to have pizza tonight, so we can't go anywhere and eat. So, I'm sorry I'm not buying your dinner tonight. I think I owe you a dinner anyway, but... Uh, no, that's, yeah. that's lunch, and I've already made my order. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you know, the truck is warm, so I'm going to take it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Purdue, uh, an impressive performance today on both sides of the ball when you get right down to it. Uh, put up a lot of points, put up a lot of yards, uh, defense, um, really gave, you know, they gave up some big plays. I think at one point Maryland had nine plays of 10 yards or more, but in the second half, they kept them out of the end zone. And that's something that really, we really haven't seen from the defense. So just kind of initially, what are your, uh, what are your first few, uh, hot takes from uh, today's game? Well, yeah, I, I think I turned to, uh, our colleague at the Indy star, <laughs> David Woods, at some point in the third quarter, and I said, I cannot believe Purdue has held this team to 14 points. Um, you know, I'm surprised when Purdue holds anybody to 14 points. So very, uh, very great effort for the the defense. I think they had eight freshmen who played defensively today. Uh, you know, local kid Jonah Williams got his first time there late. Uh, just throwing guys in there and trying to mix and match right now. And to, uh, you know, especially against an athletic quarterback like that, to hold them to 14 points and both of them, were long plays. One was a 61-yard quarterback keep on third and one, where I think everybody in the press box in the stadium on the defense was faked out and thought that they had tried to go up the middle. Uh, the quarterback took off and, and scored a touchdown, and the other was a 20-yard run. So really just two big plays are all the scoring that, that uh, Maryland got today. Yeah, and, and as we said, an impressive defensive effort based on the talent that Maryland has on its team and the quickness and the speed from the quarterback position also – from the running backs, uh, their ability to get the ball uh, out in the open. And if you go back to the first series of the game where Maryland appeared to have scored a 50-yard touchdown pass but was called back for holding, uh, you don't know what happens if, if, if there's not a holding call on that. But, you know, the key was that Purdue uh, was able to do things defensively it hadn't done uh, in the last few weeks, and some of that is just they're they're continuing to learn to overcome the injuries that they've suffered. You know, I, I don't know if this team will ever learn to play without Marcus Bailey at a level that uh, that that's going to be required because uh, you just don't take a guy off your team like that and expect results immediately. Maybe you just learn a little bit more each week as you get going. But to me, the the guy on defense that you know, the star of the defense was Corey Trice. Uh, he's a he's a redshirt freshman who's moved to cornerback at the end of training camp, made his third start or made his second start technically, although he played a majority of the Minnesota game. Came up with a big pick six at the end of the first half and another interception at the end of the first half or in or in, in the second half that that he kept yeah that kept Maryland from from getting uh, closer to the end zone. So uh, just a bit of good. They got they got good pressure. Uh, they they seem to tackle well when when given the opportunity, but you know Corey Trice is was the star of that defense today. Yeah, and uh, you know I think that 
because, and I talked to some of the guys who play offense and see him in practice every day, because he's 6'3 and 215, he can get physical and he can mess with some receivers and, you know, he'll knock you off your route when uh, you can get your hands on guys. And the, the receivers don't like that. They don't like that physical play. They don't like hands being on them. And that's the way he plays. And uh, Coach Brom alluded to it in the postgame press conference that right now he's he's still a safety playing corner because he's still fresh in the a new position and he doesn't know any better. So he's, you know, he's just kind of playing free and loose and, and uh, kind of, you know, not so much worried about technique and all that stuff yet. He's just kind of playing, uh, you know, without any, uh, you know, I guess remorse or whatever, and, and just playing it by feel, and it's working out for them. And, and that pick six, that was the game changer. I think that's the point that Purdue won this game and where everybody kind of felt like, you know, that that's what's going to carry the Boilermakers on to victory. Well, and, and defensively, uh, other than Trice, they had they, they rotated a lot of defensive linemen today early in the game. We saw Jeff Marks, uh, Jack Sullivan get in there. Uh, need to say that they were, they were down – three defenders at the start of the game. They didn't have Cornell Jones, one of the linebackers. Kieran Douglas, a backup line linebacker, wasn't available. And Branson Dean, uh, a backup defensive lineman, wasn't available. So they became even more shorthanded than they normally uh, normally would be. Uh, I think Jeff said uh, they lost three guys in the last two or three days uh, to practice and other, uh, other reason. But I think that brings the total now to 18 players uh, that have been injured or that, that have been out uh, for Purdue, and it's hard at any level to do that. So Purdue overcame a lot. Um, you know, they basically played the nickel today, uh, keeping just two linebackers on the field. But one of the, one of the new guys, uh, Collie Sanders, saw his first action today, and he made one tackle, but he, uh, he, he seems like an um, imposing figure out there at the linebacker spot. He, he's, he's bigger than what uh, Purdue has recruited at the linebacker spot over the last few years, but he's a he's a kid that you know got his first taste of action today. Yeah, and uh, you talk about an imposing figure. He made one tackle, but I think it was a tackle when he made it. Everybody said, "Ooh," you know, <laughs> kind of. Uh, it made an impact, and it, it kind of exemplified just the way Purdue played defense today. Um, they had to play assignment sound football to win this game, and uh, you know they're a team that in past weeks have been. Uh, caught off guard by play fakes and things like that and just you know making the wrong reads and guys get big plays out of that and I thought today they did a very good job aside from maybe one screen pass for the most part of um, reading their assignments and wrapping guys up and taking them to the ground there were a lot of missed tackles or or things of that nature today and, and part of that is because your defense is kind of more spread out it, it leaves more open space but you come crashing down pretty hard and um, and make some big hits and we saw several big hits by the Purdue defense today. Uh, the good news is that Purdue won't face an RPO team next week in Iowa. They're more of a traditional football team. Uh, they're not done with RPOs the rest of the year, but uh, they get a break from this stretch of you know Minnesota, Penn State, and and Maryland, uh, really putting putting the defense in a bad bad spot, and they just could not really uh, come up with good sound assignment football. Uh, the last two weeks, and uh, as you alluded to, they were, they were much better in their assignments today. Yes, Maryland get, got some yards uh, and and gained some other, but that that's just, Purdue's not a shutdown defense like that. And um, so I, you know, I thought the defense really accounted themselves uh, really well. They're they're becoming more shorthanded uh, every week, uh, and uh, just okay. How do you know? How do they go into Iowa now, looking uh, to to deal with that team? But 
shifting to the offensive side, which is, you know, where, where Purdue was probably even more impressive uh, today. And it started, to me, started with Jack Plummer. Uh, he, he was much, well, I should back up. It probably started with the offensive line and you got to give those guys credit because they made some changes on the offensive line. Some due to injury, some due to performance, but, uh, Sam Garvin was the starting center and we had the debut of the Sam Garvin backside report on Twitter today. Uh, I was, I was curious and this is off the beaten path, but if this image name and likeness thing goes through, well, I have to compensate Sam Garvin if I tweet the Sam Garvin backside report or whoever the center is at that time. Yeah, I think that you've uh, you should have trademarked that whenever you started <laughs> it with the the first center and watching the Blau Sindelar um, saga go on. But uh, that was probably the time the trademark ex Purdue center. Uh, and the backside report, because now uh, I think you're right. These college kids are smart these days. They're going to cash in on this. <laughs> so I wonder if that's going to be part of the name, image, and likeness thing. All right, back on the real path of, of football. But it started with the offensive line. Sam Garvin got the start at center. Uh, and then the other two positions that uh, saw uh, new players today, not new players, but you know, Mark Stifford moved from right guard to left guard, so he got his first start at left guard. And then Eric Miller got his first start at right tackle. Grant Hermans was the left tackle, and Matt McCann was the right tackle. Uh, Plummer was sacked once today, and that was on Jack Plummer. And he had plenty of time uh, to, to find his David Bell <laughs> on his favorite route, Bryson Hopkins on his favorite route, Milton Wright for the long touchdown. So the, the, the offense kind of started with uh, the play of the line and then continued – where Plummer was comfortable, and I think he gained a, uh, just a boatload of confidence today in the way that he threw the ball and the way his receivers caught the ball. Yeah, uh, one thing I think that probably gets overlooked is the run game was not good today, but it was good enough, and they never abandoned it. They kept going. King Drew had a lot of carries. Uh, they used four, four or five different backs, I think. Um, you know, Jackson Anthrop coming out of the, the slot and taking handoffs was uh, effective at times but they stuck with it you know we've seen this year where when it's not working they kind of abandon that and just throw it out the window and say we're going to throw the ball all over the place today they kept trying to grind it out you know and if you get three yards with king daru at least you're keeping the defense honest and i think that's the reason the pass game was was successful as successful as it was today and i think the reason they stayed with the run game is that they played from played from ahead yes uh they played from ahead for the first time since um, I know they had a lead at T- against TCU, but you have to go back really to the Vanderbilt game um, where they were uh, comfortably ahead or at least were in control of the game where the last few games they've had to play from behind. And that may have forced Jeff Brown's hand in what he wanted to do and maybe not sticking with the run game longer. But when you get up 6 nothing, when you get up 13 to nothing, and you get up 20 to 7 you're 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 more you're more apt to stay with what's been working and and grind out a few yards. So you know I think that probably dictated into the plan. But you're right, they did stick with the running game. The yardage was not great. I think uh, King Drew finished with what 69 yards on the ground, but they got a lot of backs involved. Terry Filler uh, played for the first time this year. Uh, suffered the broken uh, fractured jaw in August during training camp. So it was good to to get him back out there. We didn't see Richie Worship. Uh, on the field you know maybe that'll come next week or the week after that but but again you go back to the offensive line and what kind of what they did 
and allowing allowing the number of yards and the points to to come to fruition today. Yeah, and you're doing this without Rondell Moore, who, you know, five weeks ago was the only guy who could do anything for this offense at times. So if you get him back and you, you know, you get David Bell more comfortable at the college level, and he's had two really huge games now, and looked, you know, he's looked the part, uh, Milton Wright today, uh, other than the Air Jordan jump into the end zone. That was a pretty impressive, uh, you know, show of speed. And, and you know, he's going to be a big play guy, I think, if he can stay on the field. Ahmad Anderson has had uh, some great moments uh, out there. And Jack Plummer, I think you're right. He looked, you know, last week he looked like a deer in headlights. Every And I know Penn State is better than Maryland on the defensive front and, and rushing the passer. But he uh, he made the mistake early. He took that sack when he probably should have thrown the ball away or or done something, but he tried to run around for a while, and uh, and he didn't get sacked again. He made smart plays. He threw the ball out of bounds a couple times, and one of the few incompletions he had, um, and then he took off and, and ran and scrambled for yards when he had to. So I think as he grows and, you know, you start to get some depth there in offensive weapons, uh, this offense has a chance to, to be pretty good, especially if this line is able to come around. And to me, taking that sack and what happened afterwards – uh, the next play, they did score a touchdown to go to go up six nothing, but the fact that Jack Plummer rebounded from that sack, threw the ball away down the line, or another in another uh, plays, to me showed a growth process for him. And I think as you get through the rest of this year, and you get into next year, you know I think this is a game that has a chance. When you look back on things, as you, again, get deeper into this season and into next year, you may look back on this game as as a moment or a game to remember that, okay, this this was the time Jack Plummer took, took a big step forward. This was the time that, uh, you know, uh, David Bell emerged once again. Some of, these, some of these freshmen that are playing for the first time, uh, I think this could be a game that you circle and then revisit down the road to say, this could be, I don't want to say a turning point because, I, you know, they still have a long way to go to get to any kind of uh, bowl play uh, at the end of the year. But, again, this could be a game that, if anything, helps build their confidence as they get into the rest of the year. Yeah, um, 25 freshmen played today. 14 of those were on offense, and that's true freshmen and redshirt freshmen. But these are guys that are going to grow, and right now you have a – Bryson Hopkins, who's kind of mentoring Payne Durham and, you know, the, the young tight ends. And to have a performance like he did today, I think, is huge for this team, maybe for the rest of this year, because uh, Bryson probably hasn't had the last few games anyway, had the performances that he expects of himself. And then he turns around and has a career day. Uh, but, yeah, th- these young guys are uh, they're just getting better every week. And uh, I think that they know uh, they've got to share the ball. They know, you know, they're going to split. Uh, you know, who gets the, the share of the, the passes and things like that. And one week it's going to be Ahmad Anderson with five or six catches, and the next week he might have zero. And Milton Wright, you know, if, if he stays on the field and he's missed, I guess, a couple games now with a, a concussion, he's a guy that was expected to come in here and produce right away. And uh, David Bell is, is as good as advertised. There's a reason he was in the uh, All-American Bowl last year. So a uh, lot of playmakers that are young guys. And you got to, you know, if you're a Purdue fan, it's hard not to get excited thinking next year, two years down the road, when these guys have played, you know, 30 college football games, what they're going to be able to do. Yeah, I mean, there's a window right now for Purdue 
at least offensively, to have a lot of success when you, you know, Rondell Moore's only going to be here three years. He's he's going to graduate in three years. He's going to move on. It's unfortunate that he's going to miss, he's missing some games right now. Uh, but there is a window when you when you factor in Rondell Moore, David Bell, George Karloftis, and some of these other guys that are definitely high-level players, but they're only going to be here for, you know, not a full four-year term unless some, something happens from an injury standpoint. So you have a, you, you still have a window here as you you get a little bit deeper. But the way Brom has been recruiting, uh, not only in the 19 class but the 20 class, that you're going to re, you're going to be able to replace some of this talent. But I, I do want to give props to Bryson Hopkins because um, he has he's not been a factor in the offense the last two games. Whether that's been by design or the quarterback just can't find him, I think it's a it's a combination of things that have happened. Where um, he, you know, there are times he couldn't get off press coverage, maybe at Penn State, uh, and Jack Plummer didn't have time to find him, maybe against Penn State or Minnesota. Uh, so there's a lot of factors there, but I think today probably showed how important the tight ends and this tight end Bryson Hopkins is going to be. Uh, to this offense as they get a little bit deeper into the season. Yeah, uh, 10 catches and 140 yards, and uh, one of them was a big-time catch that was, I think it went for 36 or 38 yards on a third and long, So, and he jumped up and caught that over a defender. Um, you have a guy that's that athletic, that kind of speed out of the tight end spots, and uh, that that big. You've got to make him a target in the offense, and I think they did a great job today of um, looking for him. I think they ran a a play that was just designed for him to get out in the open uh, field on a, a short pass. And uh, that kind of maybe got him comfortable early. It was like, Hey, let's just find a way to get him the ball. Even if it's, we got to throw it to him for one yard and let him uh, make the play himself. And, and Jeff Brom talked about after the game, sometimes you just got to make the completion and then let the guy, you know, if he gets tackled, he gets tackled, let him try to make a play. And that's better than taking a sack. Sometimes I think he, uh, Plummer did a good job of that, but uh, back to Bryson Hopkins, I think just having the ball in his hands early and uh, feeling, you know, it's been a while since he's, I think he's had one catch maybe in the last two games. So it's been a while since he's been in that kind of a situation. And I think uh, when you're a playmaker, it's important to kind of get in a routine where you're feeling uh, running down the field and trying to shake off defenders and taking hits. Yeah, I mean, I think he had 13 of his 14 catches in the first three games and then only had one in the last two and then had 10 uh, today. Uh, he's also you know, he's also a guy that got sick out of Nevada, <laughs> and then uh, got sick against uh, Minnesota. Uh, I think he got hit in the stomach against Minnesota and lost his business out on the field, and uh, he understood that. But he's uh, to me, I always thought he 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 was going to be a big key to this offense. I, you know, I go back to last year with him and Cole Herdman. I thought they were going to be big keys to the offense, and everything we heard. And when you research Jeff Rom, you know, when he took the job at Purdue, tight ends were going to be a big part of what uh, this offense um, is. Uh, I don't think it's really developed to that point, but when you get a Rondell Moore, things change. And when you get some of the, the receivers that they've gotten uh, over the last few years, things change. So you, you have to change change some stuff to, to fit the talent level. But you know, I think Hopkins is a guy that even when Rondell Moore comes back, or even when Jared Sparks comes back, you're gonna. I think he's he's a guy that the that the that the uh, that the offense still needs to lean on. Yeah, um, and I mean you hit the nail right on the head. He's a guy that you know might have, might be playing in the NFL next year, and uh, 
you know, those kind of guys don't come through Purdue a whole lot. He did something today um, that they threw out a, a name that people haven't heard around here for a while. Uh, he was the first tight end from Purdue uh, with, or I guess this is the most receptions, 10 uh, by a tight end at Purdue since Tim Stratton uh, against Washington State in 2001. So uh, Tim Stratton, I think, was the, the college football tight end of the year that season. Yeah, uh, I think he was the Mackey <laughs> Award winner, right? Yeah, he, so he, he was a pretty good player. Um, and then he start talking about, you know, the last tight end to do this, uh, I think it was the most receiving yards in a game, um, by a tight end since Dustin Keller, who was a first round draft pick. Um, so Hopkins is, is shown himself to be, uh, you know, a top tier tight end when you get him involved. Um, you know, and there's other things he does that besides catch the ball, but I think he has to be a, a ball catching tight end for this offense if they're going to uh, succeed and especially with the the schedule they have coming up against they've got to find a way to make him he's not going to have 10 catches and 140 yards maybe for the rest of the season uh in a single game but he's a guy that's got to be every week making four or five catches and you know being a, a red zone threat and things of that nature from a special team standpoint you know jd dellinger again uh was tremendous with his touchbacks uh he had a couple of field goals missed uh Missed one of the, missed the long field goal, right? Missed the, yards. Yeah, missed a 52-yard field goal, uh, and we saw something a little bit different today with uh, without Rondo Moore back there. That Jackson Anther had a, a couple fair catches on kickoffs, uh, except the one that he he didn't catch, which doesn't result in you getting the ball at the 25-yard right. line. But uh, kind of a different approach to uh, uh, the kickoff returns today, and also uh, we didn't see freshman punter uh, Brooks Cormier. Uh, we saw Zach Collins in the rugby punting. I, no one, no one asked Jeff about it after the game, and we'll probably follow up on Monday about it. But I can only assume that that had to do with the wind and um, some of the some of the weather conditions uh, that they were dealing with today. And if you go back to the, I think Purdue's very first punt after they were up fourteen or thirteen to nothing or thirteen to seven, that uh, uh, Collins had a chance to run for a long way. On the rugby punt because he he went out to his right, but then 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 kicked it. Yeah, uh, and I think there were a couple times I said under my breath or just thought <laughs> to myself, I don't know, but he's just kind of running out there to the side and he's got all the space. And you know, if it's one or two yards, he could have picked it up easily. Um, and you're thinking run, but if he's not, you know, supposed to run in that situation, and you're right, he had very low line drive punts at times uh, because if he kicked it up in the air, as we saw. It's not going anywhere, and uh, Purdue got a, a penalty because of that when they, they kicked it, uh, tried to kick it deep, and it didn't go deep and hit a Purdue player in the back who was just running down the field, and probably most of the time he was doing exactly as he was supposed to and chasing down the, the uh, guy trying to catch the punt. But the guy trying to catch the punt is running in because the punt was so shallow. So, yeah, low-line drive punts, but I, we know Jeff Brom, and at some point, He's going to take off running with that thing, and it's going to be a huge gain. And I think sometimes you do things like that to see how uh, other teams react. And I'm sure they'll see on film that there were a couple times today where those could have been big gains if he would have just taken off running. Um, now, you don't want your punter doing that all the time, but uh, I think that that style of punt is designed to sometimes take advantage of something like that. All right. Now, the big question of the day, what did you think of the uniforms in the helmet? Well, obviously... Uh, the the uniforms got more pub this week I think than the the who was playing football on Saturday and um, you know part of that had to do with Central Florida's um, ownership of the moon and whatever it had to be but um, nobody owns the moon number one <laughs> the moon is not for sale nobody owns it 
Right. Uh, but no, the uniforms were very sharp and, you know, I'm not a big uniform guy, you know, it's Oregon has different uniforms every week and, um, you know, I don't play into it, but it was a very good, uh, thing to do to honor Purdue's history is, you know, the 150 years of giant leaps, uh, which they're marketing this year. Um, the astronaut, um, you know, footprints on the helmets, uh, down the center line, uh, was a nice little touch. So for people that get up for that kind of thing, I think it was, it was a big deal to see something like that. And I'm sure they sold a lot of memorabilia and patches and things like that at, uh, you know, places that, uh, do not sponsor this. So I'm not going to name drop them. (laughs) We have no sponsor number one. So we're, we're looking for one. If you'd like to join, join the party here. Uh, I did like the, uh, the ball caps that the coaches were wearing. I, I thought that was, which was part of the, I think the, the patch that, that was, that was out there. So, I mean, I, yeah, I thought it went off well. I mean, they, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say they look like astronauts. I don't know. I guess they got as close as possible, but that was just kind of different seeing Purdue in white uniforms at home and Maryland all, all in all red on the road. But yeah, overall, I thought it was probably a good week for Purdue if, from that standpoint, because they did get a lot of pub out of it. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I still think they're probably the leader in the clubhouse when it comes to NASA and space stuff and the moon and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I did, I did read this week where Saturn now has, is the leader in moons. They have like 27 moons in their area now or orbit or whatever you want to call it. Well, we'll have to get to the, uh, aeronautical engineering department here on campus. And, uh, you know, I'm not up to date on all that stuff. And, um, the universe is not really my strong point, you know, uh, Maybe sports writing is. I don't know. It's what I get paid to do, so that's what I'm going to stick with. I thought it was your universe, and we're just passing through. <laughs> Depends who you ask. Um, that's that's how I thought for a while. Um, starting to come to the realization now, closing in on 40 years old, that not everything revolves around me. It's a good thought to have. You should have come to that thought much sooner in your life. I can guarantee you that. All right, big picture. Uh, Purdue's now 2-4, and four, kind of the halfway mark of the season. Uh, they got Iowa coming up. In my mind, things don't really change from a you know from what from what this team can do. I think a loss would have obviously taken them uh, you know a big step back and would have killed any any bowl chances. Now you still have a slim slim chance to potentially get to a bowl. You still have to beat the people that you think you can beat on your schedule, and that would include Illinois. You know, potentially Nebraska, Northwestern, and Indiana. You know that can that could get you to six. Uh, the way Wisconsin is playing, I don't think they're going. That's to that's not that doesn't look possible at this point. But you know, next up is Iowa, a, a team that on paper that, and based on where Purdue's at with its injuries, uh, you wouldn't think Purdue would have a strong chance going to Iowa to 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 win that game. But I think a lot depends what happens to Iowa against Penn State, not whether they win or lose, but, you know, is there going to be an injury or so coming out of that game? Or, you know, Iowa may be coming off back-to-back losses where they didn't score a lot of points. They only got three at Michigan, and Penn State, as Purdue saw, is a pretty good defensive line. So really curious how that game plays out and what Iowa can do against them, but Jeff Brom is 2-0 against Iowa. Uh, he's figured out a way to make some big plays down the field in the passing game against the Hawkeyes. You know, uh, a couple years ago, they needed to go to Iowa to win to stay bowl eligible, 
And, you know, Anthony Mahungu came up with a pair of touchdown passes and Purdue won that game. Last year, Terry Wright, I believe, had three touchdown passes, you know, uh, against Iowa. And uh, Purdue needed a late field goal to win uh, 38-36. So Brom has figured out a way to kind of find the weakness in Iowa's defense, whether it's a cornerback or somewhere else, to to exploit that matchup. Now, is there one out there for him uh, this week coming up? And can the offensive line do what it did today against a much better defensive line uh, in, in, at Iowa? Yeah, it's one thing to be playing at home with, you know, homecoming. you got special uniforms. You're all jacked up for all these different things. Um, Iowa's a different place. I mean, you're driving in there and you just know uh, you're in a different environment. And um, Iowa's going to have, uh, you know, all the – they've seen what Purdue did today. So I think that, uh, you know – Purdue, Iowa will, will know uh, Purdue a little bit better, and, and Purdue will have Iowa's attention because uh, you go out and, and you hold a team, first of all, to 14 that has some of the athletes that Maryland does, and then you produce offensively and kind of throw the ball all over the place. Um, you know, Iowa's good year in and year out for a reason, and it's because they, they know how to do football, and uh, I'm sure they haven't forgotten that uh, Jeff Brom is, is 2-0 and against them, and, uh, you know, I guess now 1-0 against Maryland. Yeah, uh, to me, this could be a big swing game for Purdue. I mean, if if somehow they come out of Iowa with a win, I think you can have a legitimate conversation uh, about Purdue getting to a bowl game. If they come out with a loss, it obviously does not kill their chances, but it severely hampers them where it puts the pressure on to, to, win, to win those remaining games outside of Wisconsin uh, to have a shot. Purdue, Purdue was in a hole last year. They were 0-3, climbed out of it. Uh, but now, but yeah, I, I think this Iowa game could, this could be a swing game. Iowa traditionally does play closer games in the big 10 season. So, you know, seeing them, you know, maybe route Purdue is probably not what I would be thinking right now, but turnovers and stuff like that can change a game dramatically. Uh, so this is a really interesting week for, to me, for Purdue now, if they can get back into, uh, making this season even even more meaningful than, than than what it could be right now. Yeah, and if you get this team from being where it was into bowl contention, or you know, if it comes as it does every year, it comes down to that bucket game at the end of the year, and, and you've got a chance to go to a bowl. That's quite the turnaround, especially when you factor in, you know, you don't have Elijah Sindelar, um, and you know, as good as Jack Plummer looked today. Uh, Sindelar is a fifth-year senior with a lot of experience and uh, a big arm who's played in a bowl game and had a, a, you know, a lot of snaps at the college level. Jack Plummer is a guy that uh, every time you talk to him, he says he feels more comfortable than the week before. But still, he's played what now four, four games of college football, and uh, we still don't know. I mean, he's he has a game like last week where he's taken a lot of sacks and uh, you know that not all of that is on him but some of the some of it was and then he has a game today where he can't miss i mean if he threw it at a guy it was sticking to him and uh, i think that uh, he's we've got to see Jack Plummer take this now and uh, move forward and and you know as a freshman redshirt freshman understand you know this game is over with now we've got to get ready for a different team i've got to go on the road and do something that i haven't done before the other key question is, is does uh, Jeff Brown leave the or on the depth chart between Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connell? That was the best use of an or, I think, in the history of Jeff Brown at Purdue. Um, you know, and I think people maybe even overlooked that when the depth chart came out initially. Um, 
because you just assumed Jack Plummer was the, the starter. And I understand wanting to create competition, but I think everybody knew Jack Plummer was starting this game, regardless of what the depth chart said. And, uh, you know, maybe it lit a fire under Jack Plummer where he's like, hey, we've got another guy here who's waiting to take your your spot, and he can throw the ball down the field, which is obviously something uh, Jeff Brom loves to do. So um, whatever it, it takes, I guess, to fire a guy up, if that's what it was, it was a, a great use of, uh, hey, we don't have a set QB1 this week. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, the backstory of the depth chart getting out was we were initially handed the game notes for the week, which had the depth chart from last week in it. So we didn't see any changes. But right before Jeff Brom's press conference on Monday, um, it was literally minutes, a couple minutes beforehand, we got a new depth chart, which had a lot of changes uh, on the, it had a lot of changes on the offensive line. It had some changes on the defensive line because Anthony Watts uh, was, was going to be out. Uh, but then as I started looking at it a little bit more deeper, I saw the ore down there and uh, my turn for questions had already passed. I had already asked the questions I was going to ask in the press conference, but as Purdue does, they, they let you come back and you can ask another question. So I followed up with a couple other questions and I did ask about the ore. And I initially thought, well, something happened to plumber where he's hurt and they're just, they're, they're putting a backup That's plan. That's what we assume at Purdue now when something <laughs> happens, you just assume the guy got hurt. Right. But you know, I asked Jeff about it and he, he said that was correct, and I said, anything, you know, what is Jack's status? He said he's fine, but wanted to create competition. Now, w- did one thing lead to another? Who knows? But, uh, I, yeah, I, I agree with you, and I said it all week that Jack Plummer was going to start this game and play. But now I'm just – I'm really curious if the ore shows up on the depth chart on Monday. I, th- I think it will be removed, but who knows? We'll wait till then. Well, anyway, Sam, uh, you got to go get something to eat. Don't know what your dinner plans are. Do you know yet? Uh, I'll figure it out as I'm driving. So. All right. Anyway, that's going to. Having pizza with you and your wife. No, that was never not, that was never part of the part of part of the plan. Toasties. Well, that could be. You still got the month of October uh, to 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 fulfill those. Uh, okay, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Borders Extra uh, podcast uh, after Purdue's 40 to 14 uh, victory over Maryland. Uh, be back next week. Uh, with a preview of the Iowa game and just kind of an update where Purdue's Purdue's at. So uh, subscribe to the podcast through all the necessary means, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week, probably in the middle of the week, with uh, an update on uh, the Boilermakers going to Iowa. Thanks again for joining us, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week.